Hey, Pastor Stephen here. Welcome to the Abundant Springs podcast. If you haven't already, be sure to check us out online at AbundantSprings.Church. And now, on to this week's message. You know, this morning I have the, uh, the pleasure of introducing to you a couple that is taking care of the youth between our church and uh, Chinook Bible Church. Uh, it's a, a joint effort. And it's just been a wonderful thing to see the way that God has been using this couple um, and, uh, and Ewan when he was here as well, just to uh, impact the, the youth, the young people of Pincher Creek. And, uh, and so today, I, I just want to invite Joash and Shay to, to come on up. Um, you know, I, I don't do long, drawn-out introductions. Uh, what's the point, right? Uh, you guys can, can do some of that. But uh, yeah, I'm just so glad that you guys are here. Why don't we give them a warm round of applause, an, an ASCC welcome. Yeah. And uh, I'll give you this mic. Hey, guys. Hello. First, Hi. just have to say, we did not plan to match today. I didn't. This was yeah. not a planned effort. Yeah. <laughs> It's really good to see you guys. We're really glad and honored to be here. I guess I should introduce us. I'm Shaylin. This is my fiance, Joe Ash. I am. And we are um, youth pastors here in town. It's kind of like a joint effort. Um, we're, we're situated out of Chinook Bible Church. Um, Dave's our pastor, but we do our youth group here at Abundant Springs. Um, Stephen opens his building up for us to love the youth here in town, um, to reach out and to encourage them and teach them more about Jesus' love. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Yep. I'm Shay. <laughs> um, I am Shay's fiance, soon to be husband, thank goodness. <laughs> um, I have been in Pincher Creek for about four years. Some of you guys might know me, some of you guys might not. Um, this is going to roll off here, baby. Um, we have been youth pastors here in town for about, give or take, about a year. Um, and it's been a blast. We've learned a lot. It's been hard. It's been amazing. But your guys' supports and your guys' prayers has been the thing that keeps us going. So we're incredibly thankful for that. Um, so Stephen asked me to kind of give a little bit of a, yeah, you're good. She told me to do that. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, I gotta be honest, I get a little uncomfortable every time there's a bit of, like there's a communion time, but not for the reason you'd think. I'm an incredibly loud chewer, like to the point that if we're having chips and like watching a movie, people will just tell me to leave the room. So when I have a cracker to eat, it gets a little awkward. But I will say this, um, I'd like to open with a quick word of prayer, and then we can get into it. Um, Jesus, thank you for who you are. Thank you that you are our everything. There's nothing, nothing that you are not in. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to bless this service today. Bless my words, take everything that I say and transform it into something worth listening to. Because we're all here for you. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so, I am Joe Ash. You guys know that. And I have been, like I said, youth pastoring in town for about a year. 
you guys know you uh, and I started the Kids Alpha program about a year ago, and we kind of saw that growing, and it was um, it was a lot of fun. And then him and Rachel had moved off to college, so Shay and I took over. The Lord led us to take over and kind of spearhead it. Um, but I. I'll give you a little background on myself. Um, I grew up as a pastor's kid my entire life, either a pastor's kid or an evangelist kid. So that was my life. <laughs> Anybody who's been a pastor's kid or a minister's kid knows that that's interesting. Um, but I was a pastor's kid who didn't meet Jesus until I was 19. I was a pastor's kid who did the song and dance. I knew the song and dance. I was very good at the song and dance. But I didn't have a clue who Jesus was until I was 19. And he decided to drop the bomb of who he was in my life out of absolutely nowhere. I did not see it coming. Um, I was not living a godly lifestyle whatsoever. And then I met Shay. Well, I knew Shay from high school, and I knew she was a Christian. And I, I was a Christian too, you know. I, I did all this stuff. And when we first started dating, I said, I'm going to impress this girl. And the next time we meet up, I'm going to bring some scripture. She's going to like it. And so I start reading the Bible. I was like, I'll read for about 15 minutes, get something real interesting, and bring it to her. She's impressed. Three hours later, I'm still flicking through. I'm like, this is amazing. What in the world is all of this? And it's all stuff I've heard a thousand times. You've got to remember my father, when we were evangelizing, my dad was doing between 300 and 325 services a year. So I was in thousands upon thousands of services and it never clued in because I didn't want it to because the second it clued in that meant I have responsibility now I can't just do what I want to do but anyway so I try to I try to impress this girl and Jesus is like ha ha got him <laughs> and I'm like what is going on like I don't want to put this down and then I like talked to her about it that night and I was like excited about what I was talking about I was planning on going into that like encounter with like Hey, do you want to know what I read today? It was pretty cool. But instead I was like, do you have any idea how amazing the Bible is? This is great. And she was like, yeah, I, I do. Um, <laughs> so that was my life, right? Growing up in the church, I saw everything there was to see. Like I said, I've been in, in thousands of services. I've been a part of five or six worship teams. I've, like, this has been my life. Um, and Shay, she grew up kind of bouncing between denominations, religions, etc., until she was about, what, 14? And the Lord just came into her life and said, I see you as perfect and I see you as pure. And it changed her life and it set her on this course of loving Jesus. Um, yeah, so that's kind of who the two of us are and that's kind of the heart we're bringing into the youth group. And so what happened was Ewan and I, Ewan started the Alpha group. Three weeks in, he goes, do you want to join? I said, no, I do not. He said, I want you to pray about it. I said, I will pray about it, but I'm not going to do it. He said, okay. The next week, I said, I'll help out setting up chairs. He said, okay, that's all I need. That's all I need. And so I set up the chairs, and then I was praying about it that night, and the Lord spoke to me after and said, yeah, you're supposed to lead this with you. And so I called him the next day, and I said, the Lord really laid on my heart to lead this with you. And he said, that's awesome. I already told Alpha Canada that you're going to do it. So we're good there. And I said, thank you for giving me the option of choice. Um, so that's how that started. And we did not see anything coming, like at all. So we all of a sudden start going through the Alpha course. We start seeing kids. First day there was 11. Next day there was like 18. Then all of a sudden there was like 23. And so you and I kind of got together and we're like, this is awesome. But like if we have, 
even seven or eight by the end of the course. That's going to be awesome. End of the course, we still had 23, 24 kids every week. And so we were just blown away at what God was doing. God was performing miracles. He was moving in lives. He was relighting fires in kids' life that have grown up in the church like I did, but kind of had drifted to the wayside like I did. So that's kind of the world we were coming from. And then we looked at each other and we thought, this Alpha course ends in two weeks. We cannot let it end here. This momentum that's going, I don't, I don't know what we have to do, but you and I have to figure out a way to keep this going. Um, and so we brought his girlfriend, Rachel, and my then-girlfriend, now fiance, Shay, on board to lead with us. So the four of us were kind of doing this thing together, and we thought, we're going to teach every week. We're going to go a little deeper for those people who want to go deeper, who want to meet the Lord, who want to encounter the Lord for who He really is. And so we start doing this, and we start seeing more growth and more growth and more of the Lord moving and more of the Lord moving. And then all of a sudden, about mm, beginning of August, we looked at each other and went, oh, wait, you guys are leaving oh no, what are we going to do? Because that changes the whole dynamic, right? Because for a long time it was the Joe Ash and Ewan show and we didn't know how to do anything outside of that. I had no idea how to do anything outside of that. And so it was a little frightening, but we decided we needed to rebrand it because we couldn't do Alpha because that's illegal to run in a youth group that's a completely separate name. So we, ch we had to change the name, we had to change the format into a more long-form thing and it was a little daunting, but um, the Lord's been moving in ways that we could have never imagined. And we just gave it all to Him. Um, so I'll show you a couple slideshow, like a little, I put together a little slideshow of the kids. Um, it'll just, yeah, we have a lot of fun. Um, we go through and like there's been miracle after miracle in these kids' lives, transformation after transformation. Um, we've had a kid who was, he was a cutter and he was ashamed of himself and one night in prayer, the Lord removed his scars. Every scar on his body was gone because he said, this is how I see you. And he came over to me after and he said, I think the reason Jesus did that was because he was showing me how he sees me and that's perfect. And I said, you got it, man. I love that one. We have games nights, we have fun. People usually get hurt, but we have that too. So that's, yeah. But um, the thing that's really impacted me is we have fun, we have games, but for the first about six months, I've just been waiting for it to kind of become a youth group again, where, you know, you come on Sunday, I mean, Wednesdays, and you have fun, you hang out, and then you go home, and there's no change, because that's what my experience with youth group was my entire life. It was just kind of a hangout zone, and they used, they would, like, kind of sit through the message so that they could hang out with their friends. But that hasn't happened, um, which is amazing. That's kind of what our prayer was. But what's really impressive is this is really having an impact on people's lives. It's actually transforming lives. It's actually bringing people into relationship with Jesus. It's actually bringing people to want more of Jesus. Um, yeah, that's all the pictures I have. You don't have to play it anymore unless you guys want to see more. Um, you can talk to us after. We've got thousands. Um, but the fact that they want more of Jesus is insane. I've never experienced that with a youth group. And it's because we've kind of opened ourselves up and said, Lord, it's kind of yours, so do what you want with it anyway. Um, what I'm realizing is that the Lord has put Shay and I in this youth group not just to keep a group of kids happy and having fun and off the streets of Pinscher. That too, but we're actually also growing ch disciples. We're growing people who are learning more on their own. We're growing people that are reading scripture on their own. We're growing people who are coming to us with things that they've seen in scripture. We're growing people who are devoted to Jesus and living out that lifestyle. Um, and 
I kind of want to talk to you guys about why that is. So Shay and I are obviously, like I said, we're the youth pastors, and we're here to talk to you and kind of inform you guys of what's going on in the youth, because when Ewan was here, he could do that, because he was, you know, the one doing it. Um, but now he's not, so you guys have kind of been out of the loop, because we're not regularly attending the church. So we came here to kind of inform you on that, and how it's going, how we're doing, but honestly, and how we need help. Um, but the truth is, is that's not really what I'm here to talk about. It is, but I'm here to talk about Jesus and how absolutely wonderful he is, how beautiful it is that he's even allowed me to be a part of this incredible thing that he's going. Um, and I can't really expect you guys to be invested in what we're doing if you don't know what our heart is and our focus behind it is. So I'm going to kind of give you a little glimpse into what we do on a, on a regular basis. Um, so what we're going to start it with is we're going to read Hebrews 1, 1 to 4. And it says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in, spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets. Next one. I don't have it on here. I forgot to put it on here. <laughs> has in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. Next one. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. Next one. Having become so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. I could go off that for three hours. Like, Jesus is amazing. Like, the, the father looked at Jesus and said, I'm going to appoint you above all else. I'm going to give you a name that's higher than any other. I'm going to make the worlds through you and by you and for you. Jesus is just amazing. Um, but when you and I first started doing the Alpha Group and started seeing the Lord move in these amazing ways, you know, miracles, deliverance, like I was talking about, the obvious question that came up in our hearts is where do we go now because we weren't expecting this. We were expecting to host a thing, talk about Jesus with some people, and then move on. But the question came up, well, we can't just let this go, so where do we go from here? What do we teach? How do we get to where God wants us to get to? And then it became more prevalent when Shay and I took over and Ewan and Rachel and left because now we were left to reestablish this new thing off the heels of something that was already working. I was worried about my next sermon series. I would stay up all night being, what am I going to teach on next week? What am I going to, what's the series I'm going to start? Um, I was worried about how we're going to sustain the growth that we were having and keep growing, um, about how to hook them. I was, I was worried about how to not just like sustain a status quo, but to actually grow disciples in Pincher and a generation of people who are willing to step out and change the world. I, I'm, I'll just be honest with you, I 100% feel right now that these kids, these kids can 100% flip Pincher upside down. They can 100% flip all the surrounding areas upside down. They can flip the province upside down, the country and the nations. They have a fire and that's all the Lord takes is a yes. And he's given them that yes. So that's what we wanted to do. But I had absolutely no idea. I had no idea how to do that. It was terrifying. I would stay up all night thinking, what am I going to do? How are we going to grow these kids? How are we going to get them to where they're going? Um, and the more I prayed, the Lord just spoke to me, and he said, tell them about me. That's it. There was nothing else. That was my answer every time. Lord, what do I teach these kids? Tell them about me. What do, I, what do they need to learn about this week? Tell them about me. 
And it was confusing because I was like, well, yeah, I get that, Lord, but like, I need some other stuff here. And he was like, talk to them about me because there is no other stuff. There's nothing else. Nothing else compares. So why try to fill the void with something that's not going to reach the standard of who Jesus is anyway? We talk about other things, but it's always through that lens of who Jesus is and what Jesus does and what Jesus did. Um, so he brought me through this incredible journey. He showed me how everything in Scripture was him, so why even try to teach Bible without him being the subject? It's impossible. He's the Word. The Word became flesh, so how can we try to teach gospel? How can we try to teach Bible without Jesus being the subject because he is the Bible? This is just the printed heart of Jesus. He showed me that all things are for him, so to try and teach purpose and reaching goals without the purpose being him and the goal being his joy and his delight couldn't work because all things are for him. So why even try to reach a goal that's not Jesus or why try to grasp a purpose that's not touching the heart of Jesus because everything else just falls flat? Um, I want to read really quickly Romans 11, 34 to 36. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has become his counselor? Next one. Or who has first given to him, and it shall be repaid to him. Next one. This is the big one. For of him and through him and to him are all things. To whom be the glory forever. Amen. He's the purpose of everything we do. There's nothing outside of him. We disciple people because it pleases the Lord. We bring people to Jesus because he wants relationship with them. I get up here and speak not so just that you can support the youth group, but so that you can know that the heart of Jesus is in this thing. It all goes back to him. There's nothing outside of him. He is literally everything. You know, the Bible says he descended and ascended so that he may fill all things. Not so that our goals can fill all things. Not so that we can feel good and feel nice and happy about who we are and our social status can fill all things. He said, I'm filling all things. Not because he's selfish, but because he knows that nothing else compares. The Bible calls him a jealous lover, but it doesn't call him a jealous lover because he's angry. It calls him a jealous lover because he knows that anything else that you go to that's not named Jesus is going to fall short of what he can give you. He, he, he doesn't want you to fall and settle for less than him because he's everything. He showed me that nothing is accomplished except through his spirit. For it is not by might, but is by my spirit. That's what the Lord says. So trying to please him without him is impossible. I'd spent so much time trying to please Jesus without Jesus that I knew that all it does is lead to condemnation and feeling like a failure. When you try to please Jesus by what you're offering him instead of the heart behind what you're offering him, all that happens is you fall short because your offering is not enough. It'll never be enough. The only offering that we can give him that's worth anything is our hearts because that's what he's wanted. So what do I mean by it takes Jesus to please Jesus? Hebrews 11 and 6 says, without faith it is impossible to please God. Romans 10, 17 though says that, by, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And John 1.14 says that the, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So you can't have faith without Jesus, and you can't please Jesus without faith, so you can't please Jesus without Jesus. Because He's the Word. He needs to be our sole focus. 
our entire purpose on this earth needs to be to reach Jesus' heart by whatever means that's necessary. So I realized that without being fo- solely, absolutely focused, meditated, and absolutely unfathomably in love with the one who first loved us, I couldn't even please him. I can't even please him unless I'm in love with him because Jesus isn't pleased with our offering and it's the, unless it's the offering of ourselves. I taught the kids on Wednesday about Mary and Martha when Jesus came and Martha was in the kitchen cooking and Mary was at his feet. Um, and Jesus was pleased with Mary because she was doing the one good thing. He said, Martha, Martha, you're stressed, you're worried, don't be worried. Mary chose the right thing. She sat at my feet and listened to me because that's what he wanted. That's the reason he came was fellowship. And I, <laughs> I, I titled the message, Jesus doesn't want your sandwich. <laughs> The kids were really confused by that at first. They were like, what do you mean Jesus doesn't want my sandwich? And I was like, ah, Jesus doesn't want your sandwich. And they didn't get it till about halfway through because Jesus wasn't looking for Martha to cook for him. Jesus was looking for Mary to sit at his feet. This is such a conviction that I have. Anybody who talks to me for more than five minutes knows that Jesus is my life. He's the only thing I love. He's the only thing I focus on because why focus on anything else? Growing up in the church, I've heard entire conferences, okay, that spent three days talking about revival principles, and I didn't hear the word Jesus more than twice. And the Lord began to show me that if I'm looking for revival, I need to look no further than his face because he said, I am the resurrection. How can we teach revival principles without teaching Jesus? He is the revival principle. The revival principle is Jesus Christ resurrected. I've heard countless messages about the way to your peace, the way to your happiness, the way to breakthrough, the way to break addiction, the way to receive this, the way to receive that, yet I don't hear Jesus in the message, the word Jesus, the name Jesus, even though he himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He didn't say the way to what. He said, whatever you're getting to that is for my purpose, I am the way to that. There's no, oh, this is a door, this is the Jesus door, and now I have to pick my path. No, Jesus is the door, Jesus is the path, Jesus is the destination, Jesus is the journey. He is the entirety of it. I've heard, I've, mm, he showed me that salvation, this was the big one, especially in youth ministry. Jesus showed me that salvation was so much less about saving doomed people from hell and so much more about completely restoring a broken people to Jesus. Being saved out of hell was just a byproduct of being brought back into relationship with the Lord. That's what his purpose was in the beginning, because I miss you, I need you, I love you. The church, he showed me that the church, even the church, growing up in the church, this was a hard one to learn, but He showed me that the church isn't a building or a social status or a place you go. The church is his very body and his bride. So even the church is about Jesus. We are about Jesus. There's nothing in us that's not about Jesus. To make the the obvious more obvious, how much more all-encompassing is it when Moses said, who do I tell them sent me? And he said, I am. Tell them that I am sent me. I am. I am what? Fill in the blank. That's who he is. That's who Jesus is. I am. There's nothing outside of him. He encompasses everything. So I realized he's the only topic worth talking about. He's everything, and he's life. So by default, anything that's not from him 
or about him is death. If he is life, then the opposite has to be death. So why talk about death when I can talk about life? I realized quickly that if we can have a people that desire Jesus above all else, especially personally and intimately, that's when the change comes. It doesn't come when a group of people desire revival. It comes when a group of people desire the face of Jesus. Revival is an, is an after aspect of that. Because corporate revival can't happen until individual revival takes place in your life. And Jesus is that individual revival, and that becomes your focus. So I started talking about Jesus, like a lot. Like a lot. If you ask any of the kids what we talk about, every week their answer is going to be the same thing. We talked about Jesus. And not like the Sunday school answer, like we actually just talked about Jesus. Um, they haven't seemed to, they, they haven't gotten sick of it yet. I don't, I don't see like they would. I've had people actually tell me like, how in the world can you talk about Jesus for weeks and weeks and weeks? Like, how does that happen? And I'm like, well, I'd, there's a lot of subject matter. <laughs> I can't run out of stuff to talk about is Jesus. It's, it's limitless. And yes, we want to teach deeper things, but every deeper thing is just deeper in the Lord. It's just deeper under, uh, understanding and discovering his character. Um, there's nothing more deep than Jesus. It's not like, okay, we get Jesus, now we go deeper. It's this is Jesus, this is Jesus, this is Jesus. That's why I titled my message Jesus, because that's all we talk about. <laughs> we want to grow the kingdom. We talked through the song today. That really touched my heart. That song and then the other song. I don't know what it was called, but that kingdom, <laughs> your kingdom come, your will be done here as in heaven, right? We talk about growing the kingdom, representing the kingdom, but we forget what the kingdom is, and the kingdom is the dwelling place of the king. That's what the kingdom has always been. So until the heart cry of the people becomes, come, Lord Jesus, come, then the kingdom can't come because by default, if the king doesn't come, the kingdom can't come. If the king isn't the purpose in your everyday life, then you can't expect the kingdom to manifest there. I can't expect the kingdom to be made manifest in my workplace unless I make the king my number one priority because that's what the kingdom is. And so because he was spoken about in youth group so much, because that's what we've focused on, and this, is the, this was the heart of you and I at the beginning, and now it's the heart of Shay and I going forward. Because he was lifted up, they met a very real Jesus. And I'm almost done, but I want you to know that Psalms 22.3 says that he inhabits the praises of his people, or he dwells within the praises of his people. So when he was praised, when he was lifted up, week after week after week, he said, I live here now. This is my dwelling place among you, and I will show myself, my real self, not just as an idea or as a figurehead to a belief system, because it's not about a figurehead to a belief system. He never wanted us to be in relationship to an idea. He wanted us to be in relationship to a person. That's why he made himself flesh. These kids found the real Jesus. This is what excited me the most about doing all of it, is they met the untouched Jesus. They, aren't, they weren't me growing up in the church for 20 years, and they weren't other people who have been in church for 35, 40 years. They met a Jesus that hasn't been tampered with. They met a Jesus that wasn't touched by years of different church ideologies, different denominations, different opinions in their ears, years of hurts and disappointment. They haven't met the idea of Jesus. They encountered the real, living, breathing Son of God who has stepped into their lives and has given them a safe haven 
for them to be themselves and for him to work on them. Let me work on you. Let me change you. And what started out as a relief system for most has grown into a hunger, a hunger for the Lord, for the things of his heart. They aren't tainted by church politics. I grew up in church. I know all about church politics. I know all about how it goes south, how there's the division. The desire isn't for them to hear their favorite worship song when they come to youth. It's that they want to hear whatever Jesus wants to hear. They don't want to hear a worship song. They want to sing a worship song because it's a gift to the Lord. They want to chase him in his heart and fall more in love with him every day. Are they perfect? Absolutely not. <laughs> Woo. Do, they, do they struggle? Oh, yeah. But the one thing that remains is that they met Jesus as a person. And so I can't meet Pastor Stephen and then in my struggles forget that he exists. If I heard about the idea of Pastor Stephen, then I can forget about him. But when I encounter Stephen, shake his hand and say, nice to meet you, talk to him every week, I can't forget that he existed. And I can't deny that he existed because I met him. I've grew up in church. I've seen the best and the worst. I've seen a body of Christ living and loving each other, doing anything for each other. But I've also seen an entire church split because they changed the carpet color. You think I'm kidding? I've seen churches split because of silliness like that. I've watched that division and I've watched that happen, but I've never seen a church split because their focus was Jesus. I've never seen a church grow in division and complain about one another when their entire focus was Jesus. In fact, I've seen churches that their entire focus was Jesus shake the entire place where they were. Flip a town or a city upside down because they were of one accord and one mind. And when they're of one accord, the Holy Spirit can move like there's no tomorrow. When, when a church, when a church body is connected in one accord and their minds are all on one page, the Holy Spirit doesn't have an obstacle to break through. He can just work through each and every one of them, through every mind, through every heart, because there's no blocking, because they're, they're focused. The Holy Spirit's love is Jesus. That's who he loves more than anybody else. So when he comes to you and he says, what do you love? And you say, I love Jesus. He's like, great, let's work together. You're like the kind of guy I can work with. So I'll, I'm, I'm almost done, but I'll be as transparent as I can. The Lord wants more than anything to completely shake this town, province, and nation with a baptism of first love. A baptism of first love and fire like this Western world has never seen. And he's going to do it. He's going to do it. It just depends on who he does it through. But there's a generation of young people who are sick of being lied to by social media by school, by teachers and government, people are hungry for truth, real truth. They've lived in counterfeit for a long time. They've lived in counterfeit joy and counterfeit truth, peace and love, all of it's counterfeit wherever they go because that's, that's the world they live in. They've went, <laughs> so they're searching out truth for themselves not based on what people have said or what they've heard in Sunday school, but based on biblical truth and based on experience and encounter with the risen Jesus. They want to encounter their bridegroom. And Jesus is looking at that generation and sees that, wow, they're desiring communion. They're desiring truth. They're desiring real things because they've been lied to for so long 
that real truth just tastes a little different. When you're balancing the both, like 25 years ago, I wasn't there, but 25 years ago, it was generally truth. Like there was some lies, there was some propaganda, whatever. But when you live in a world that's 98% lie and 2% truth, the truth tastes a little different and you can tell what it is. He's releasing this moment and this revival and this reawakening, this sustained reawakening, not a reawakening that needs to be relit 20 years from now, not a reawakening that needs another revival in five years, a reawakening that's corporate and stays that way, and he's going to release it to whoever's hungry for truth. He says, thirst after righteousness, hunger and thirst after righteousness. That's, this is the people he's going to release it to. And these young people just happen to be ripe to receive because they're looking. Seek first the kingdom. Seek and you shall find me. These are all biblical truths that they're living their lives by, and half of them couldn't quote chapter and verse. They couldn't tell you what Hebrews 1 whatever was, but they're living their lives of, I need to seek Jesus. Um, and the truth is God's going to pour out his spirit, period. He will. The question is who's on board for it. Um, Who's going to stand and support these kids and their desire and pursuit, even if they don't fully understand it? Even if we don't know why they pray like that? Why do they sing like that? Why do they talk like that? Why do they think like that? In spite of all that, who's going to stand and hold these kids up and say, you're desiring Jesus? That's the only thing I can ask of you. He will feed his flock Okay, Isaiah 40 and 11. I don't know if that's on there. I don't know if I forgot to put it on there. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. They're hungry. He's going to feed them. We just have to be hungry with them. And I'll end with this. We, as the body, regularly in church every week, we have a support system. Even if we don't feel like it, we do. We have other people who are believers, who are matured believers, who support us. Even being here on a Sunday feels like validation to a belief system that we have because we're being supported and lifted up. Pastor Stephen putting together messages every week and getting up here and doing worship and doing a million things throughout the week is supporting you. They don't have that. They have me. They have Shay and they have each other. And each other is good, but they're not there yet to be able to hold each other up because they can barely hold themselves up. And Jesus holds them up, but he uses his body to do that. That's not enough to combat a school system and a way of life and an entire culture that's devoted to tearing them down. Two people and each other isn't enough. And I'm not here to ask you guys to support me. I'm asking you to support, I'm asking you to support the youth, yes, but I'm asking you that you look at yourselves like, I, like we do and fall so in love with Jesus that not supporting each other just doesn't seem to be an option anymore. Because you fall so in love with him that you realize what you've done to the least of these, you've done to me. And so you lift those kids up and you come alongside and you help in whatever way the Lord leads you to. I'm not asking you to come and take over for seven weeks. Whatever the Lord leads on your heart, even if it's something small to show them, hey, we're here. 
if the Lord leads you to help lead, and we sit and we talk about that, that's amazing, and we want you on our team, but somehow show these kids that they're not alone in this process. These kids are earth shakers, nation winners for the kingdom. If we give them the space, the confidence and support and safety to grow in the Lord, surrounded by people who encourage them and love them, it's going to happen. I just want you guys to know our heart. We're, we're due every, every Wednesday. You guys want to pray for it while you're at home? Please do, every Wednesday at 7. Yeah. So I'll just close in prayer. Jesus, thank you for, again, who you are. Thank you for your nature and your heart for each of us. Thank you that you don't forget the young ones. Thank you that you're getting ready to pour out your spirit. Lord, I pray that anything that is not 100% you begins to taste sour in our mouths. Lord, that anything isn't 100% your truth and your person begins to feel like counterfeit begins to feel like it's not good enough and only you are good enough. I pray that you infuse your body with this desire for your face. Raise up leaders. Raise up helpers. Raise up people who will sacrifice to help the young ones out who are desiring your face. We ask you all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you guys for having me today. Really appreciate it. Maybe you're listening and you've been seeking Jesus for a while, trying to make sense of who he is and what he's all about. I want you to know that God in his infinite love has been pursuing you. God wants to have a life-giving relationship with you. But the fact is that every person is born with a rebellious heart and is separated from the life that only comes through a true relationship with their creator. So God did something magnificent. He knew that we could not repair the broken relationship ourselves, so he came to us. And we're told that while we were still sinners in active rebellion against God, Jesus Christ died for us. In John 3.16, Jesus said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. So, if you're ready to have that newfound life through a relationship with Jesus, I'd like to invite you to pray a prayer with me, confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Master and believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead. As you dedicate your life to following Christ Jesus, you will receive forgiveness for your sins and you will be adopted into the family of God. Let's pray. God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I deserve the consequences of my sin. However, I'm trusting in your son, Jesus Christ, as my savior. I believe that his death and resurrection provided for my forgiveness. I trust in Jesus and Jesus alone as my master and my savior. Thank you, Lord, for saving me and forgiving me. Help me to leave my old ways behind and to live as you would have me live from this time forward. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer from your heart, I want to welcome you into the family of God. Your next step is to connect with a local church so that you can be shown how to grow in this new relationship with Jesus. 
Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us again next week for more Bible-based encouragement.